Hey and welcome to episode 46, Housing Affordability and Have You Missed the Boat? Property Mastermind podcast with Hilary Saxton, special guest again, Bob Anderson. Jump in, it's going to be a very interesting episode. Uh, You will enjoy it. Hey, and welcome to episode 46 Property Mastermind Podcast with Hilary Saxton. Housing affordability, have you missed the boat? But before we jump in, a bit of housekeeping. The book that we give away this week, it goes to Nizo Kule. Nizo Kule is your first name. It's the second name, Shukulwana. So uh, Nizo Kule, congrats! You have won a copy a copy of Property Millionaires Exposed to to be light nighttime reading for some inspiration to get into property development. Bob's episode uh, episode Bob's chapter is, uh, starts at page one twenty one, isn't it, Bob? I think so. Yeah, yeah you, you think so? I'm sure you. Well, you can start there and then read the rest after it. Yeah, why not? <laughs> or even just read read Bob's. But he will sign that, and we'll get that in the mail. If you would like to win a copy of that, remember to uh, comment favorably and subscribe to our YouTube channel, and you will. We'll go in the draw. We get a notification every time somebody subscribes so we know who you are and you will be put in the draw and you could well win your own book. So, Bob. Yes. Thanks for coming uh, down the hallway again into the podcast room. You're welcome. And, and helping me set the lights up. <laughs> and what else did you do? Um, got some water to drink. He did get the water to drink. Yeah, I'm a man of many talents. Well, we need water. Bob and I are just... Had the last week spent Easter Easter in isolation because we got COVID. <laughs> so, um, yeah. so we're a bit husky. A little bit husky, but we're good now. We're, we're past the um, stage where you lock yourself away from society. Yeah, we're back out into society today. It's been excellent. Mm. Anyways, housing affordability. How bad is it? And how do you know if you've Ooh. missed the boat, Bob? Well... It's going to be different for everybody. It's a hot subject, but it always is, you know, because Australian real estate keeps going up in, in value. And we haven't seen much wages growth for for quite a while. And uh, so it's, it's a hot subject. It was it was a hot subject to a degree uh, leading into the last federal election. And uh, it's always around, particularly with the growth that we've had, uh, you know, in the last probably 18 months or so. And you know what, Bob, both of those things, like the... the the, the the increase in in property in the property market and wages have both been dramatically affected by what's gone on like COVID. Mm. It's just had it's been such a it's a it's blindsided, hasn't it? Really, it's blindsided the, the entire world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it has, and and you know we we've come out about the situation where wages. I'm assuming you've got a job. Uh, haven't grown much for a long time, like no. I said, but properties have gone up, and it's that relationship between your income and what you pay for a property. That's what's, you know, put a lot of pressure on affordability. Mm-hmm. And there is the the housing report, the affordability, or the demographic international housing affordability report. I affordability think it's report. It's, it's, yeah, it's that's a mouthful. It. I know. It's a mouthful. But a nighttime reading. Bob threw under my nose ah. and said, "Check this out." Yeah, yeah. I didn't read it all, Bob. Well, I mean, let, let's distill it down. What, what they've done is they compare wages to the mean value of property in, mm. in a particular, maybe a city, let's say. And they, they go around about 90-plus jurisdictions around the world, various countries, mm. and, uh, and, and check it out. Mm. And Australia's well represented, I have to say, yeah, in the... 
It's probably something you don't want, though, Australia, no, do it's we? No, it's not a prize you want to win. So where, are, where, are, where is Australia? What are the cities ranked at? Where, what have we got oh, going well, on there? Sydney, mm-hmm. as expected, is the second most least affordable, I should say, the second least affordable city in the world. That's crazy. Mm. Congratulations, all you people. Well done, all you people in Sydney. Sydney. You, you've got second. Who came first, Bob? Uh, Hong Kong. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember years ago it was Tokyo. Mm-hmm. I don't know where Tokyo ranks now. It's it's almost, you know, off the, off the chart somewhere. But, mm. um, yeah, five Australian capital cities made it to the top 20. I know New Zealand came in at number Auckland. eight. Or, yeah, Auckland came in at number eight. It did. And that doesn't surprise me at all. No, I've got a, a son in Auckland, say, and yeah. A lot of people say you know, he had to give away. He said he had to give away his liver. I know his kidney. He gave away a kidney to buy a house. Yeah, future future sold his kidneys. You know, mm. so um, yeah, they're up there. But um, I mean, some of the other cities. There's a there's a little list there. What, what do you got? You got a list I can see. The list here that I uh, actually printed what about, out. Where well, did the Australian cities go? Do, could you tell me about those? Those Melbourne five? came in at number five. Number five. Melbourne came in at number five. So it goes. Read them through. Read through them. Yeah, so I don't... Uh, Melbourne... Well, Sydney, number two. I think Melbourne was number five. Adelaide, don't have the exact number here, but it looks Eight, about nine, 13 down for me. It's 14. 14th. Yeah. Uh, Brisbane, 17th. Mm-hmm. And Perth, 20th. Wow. Perth, I didn't think Perth would have slipped into the top 20. Uh, but there you go. That's crazy, isn't because it? Because what, remember, what they're comparing is the value of property versus income. And... Uh, or, or if you like, how many... How many years' average salary does it take to buy a house? That's another way. And, and so those, those multipliers, Sydney is 15.3. So what they're saying there is that uh, it, it, it takes a bit over 15 years at, at the average salary uh, to equal the value of a house in Sydney, 15 times. Mm. It's not like the monetary value you pay because mm. if you watch those American renovation programs, which I could be quite... Uh, partial to watching on occasion mm. they often have like a house for sale for like $394,000 and we're, I always think man that's so cheap yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're so used to seeing 1.4 million 1.6 uh, million yeah and there's certainly parts of the states that hold up but there's mm. a lot of cheaper parts as well and some of those programs are getting a bit long in the tooth but uh, Melbourne 12.1 times uh, Adelaide 8 it's a big drop there uh, Sydney fifteen point oh oh sorry times. You, the three oh then the, the fifteen point three times your annual salary to buy a house in Sydney wow okay twelve point one times for Melbourne mm-hmm. big drop down Adelaide basically eight years salary to buy a house in Adelaide about seven point four in in Brisbane seven point one in Perth so but there you go five of our cities made it to the made it to the top five there's there's some that I thought would have been right up the top like like London. Mm. I mean, you know, the cost of living is pretty high. Was London even on there? Oh, it came in yeah, just above Adelaide. Yeah, London came in. I, I mean, New York. I mean, mm. you know, like like when when you travel there, when you you, know, you go to London, you go to New York. I think geez, everything's expensive. I haven't been to New York yet. Big hunt there, but, Bob. Uh, I haven't been to New York yet. <laughs> it's nineteenth. I, I can't hear you. It's nineteenth <laughs> on you the can't list. Hear me. <laughs> can. Uh, Sydney's too. New York's nineteenth. Los Angeles is ninth. Can't so, believe. Uh, Sorry, I'm, I'm going to have to go back. I'm going to have to go back to that. What? You can't hear me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. It looks like it looks like we're off to like New York uh, one day. Well, it looks like uh, we get New Zealand out of the way first, and then maybe we we'll get back to New York. But um, sorry, I've digressed. You have digressed, but that's okay. So yeah, look, that, that's how they run. But um, I mean, 
It's to be expected. I mean, we've had a, a huge run to real estate, haven't we? Mm. Off the back of COVID, you know, if you think about it, we had that initial, the, the rush from the cities to the rural areas and, and that really boosted values in the rural areas. And then, you know, the rush... Even like Tasmania, that surprised me. Like, yeah. It just went, like Hobart, boom. Boom, boom. Every, yeah. Well, Hobart did really well during COVID, as did Adelaide. But yeah. I mean, then we had the rush to the seaside. This is always sort of like the post, post-COVID era. Mm. era. You know, in a way, or post bad COVID, if you like. You know, last year we had you know the rush to seaside and all the mm. seaside places went through the roof. Then we had that that big FOMO, the fear of missing out, and people are jumping on and buying properties sight unseen. You know, and, and a lot of that was people, and I don't mean this in any negative way. A lot of people from Victoria just wanting to get out because they'd just yeah. been through hell, really, mm. hadn't they? They'd mm. had such a a terrible time with lockdown. Yeah, and they're seeing people on the lying on the beach on the Sunshine Coast. And they're like, we're out of there. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, Yeah. and And you don't blame them. No, and low interest rate. We've had a low interest rate regime Mm. for quite a while. And and there's that, what I call the post-COVID euphoria. Mm. The fact that, you know, when people finally got out of lock-up and, uh, you know, and and eventually, of course, you know, the, the virility, if you like, of... Of COVID, so of all of this has has, has made the increase driven it. It driven it a lot higher, but wages haven't kept mm, up, no. and it's making affordability something that's it, it's, it's a, not it's even a big a thing. issue. Yeah, no, it's, it's look, an issue, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, is it it's going to get any better? Well, what, what would make it better? We've got yeah. Well, we've got migration. Well, that's yet to come. You know, overseas migration, you know, it's been stymied for a few years. That will have to start again, and it will. Uh, there's already moves to start that again. So that's going to put even more pressure. Pressure. So we've seen the market soften in – when I say soften, I mean the, the rate of growth slow down. I don't mm. mean soften like going backwards. That's not what I mean. But in Sydney and Melbourne, you know, things are quietened down a lot. Uh, but Doesn't then, mean they're going to stop. Well, but then, <laughs> like, when you think of overseas migration, which is going to crank up again – what are the two big cities that interstate migration? Mm. Uh, Melbourne and Sydney. Benefits. Sydney and Melbourne again. So you know, and that's yet yet to happen. Um, but there are there is some some pressure on on interest rates mm. a bit. Um, a, a lot of that a lot of that's driven by the banks. You got you got to watch. I mean, the you know don't don't think your bank's your best friend, uh, although we need them. <laughs> But Always they, act but, like they're your best well, friends, banks, but they're not really Banks don't your best make friend. money in a low interest rate regime. No, gosh no. Uh, well, when I say they don't make money, they always make money because they charge fees and they make huge they profits. But they don't make as much money. No, no, no. but they, they love it when interest rates are high because they, they can mm. play their margins a lot better. You know, there's, mm. there's not much margin when the cash rate's mm. 1% for a bank. Uh, and that's why we've seen banks increase some interest rates, you know, when the RBA hasn't done anything. And so a lot of the – there is a pressure out there, and a lot of it's been driven by the banks. You, you, if you see a lot of the reports there from the different banks saying – you know, interest rates are going to go up. They need to go up. They're putting, trying to put pressure on the federal government to put well, them up. One or, or not so much the federal government, the RBA, the Reserve Bank. There's one bank in particular you listen to over the others. Who is that one? Or you don't want to state that on this? Oh, well, <laughs> I, I read, read, read a lot of stuff. Um, I mean, I like to read Andrew Wilson. Mm. I think he's a very common sense sort of economist, really. Uh, and he doesn't have any invest, vested interests. Mm. Uh, just about everyone here does. But... Um, but look, yeah, sure, we need wages growth. But I mean, what what the RBA is saying is, look, um, yeah, interest rates might go up, uh, and probably will, uh, but it's got to come off the back of of some inflation, and, and we saw a bit of a kick in inflation. We also saw it calm down a bit. So it needs to, but not just inflation. It needs to come off the back of wages growth as well. 
And uh, so if we get wages growth, which does create inflation in its own right anyway. They are promising that too with the election, aren't they? I've heard a couple of people <laughs> rant on about it, whether, they, whether we uh, can believe that or not. Lots of ranting going on yeah, with the election. There's a bit elections. of ranting, yeah. But, you know, if, if that d- does go up a bit, what does that do to, to uh, you know, affordability, if mm. you like? Well, it makes money more expensive. So in a way it makes it harder. Then, then you've got to, but, but if there's wages growth, well, you know, one might cancel the other out. So, so we're back at zero. So I guess what we're saying is it's not likely to improve anytime soon. I mean, if you, if if your model is, I'll wait for real estate market to crash. Uh, don't. People have been saying that for a couple of hundred years, uh, and they die poor. Um, don't wait for that to happen. Uh, so I mean, I actually had a conversation with a client this morning, Bob, and they said I might just may- wait a little bit. I was like, listen to Bob when it comes to development. <laughs> Oh, well, you see no that. Point. I mean, there's, there's always people that, that, like, hope for the best. Mm. Oh, and their best is um, prices come down. It doesn't because happen. Because they're out of the market, mm. whatever. And, you know, it's not, a, it's, not a, it's not a great model to no. wait for that. Plenty of people waited for that to happen, and that model's flawed. So, so who does it affect, Bob? Well, there's two, there's two ways of improving it, isn't there? I mean, if you're talking about affordability, which is the relationship between your income and the value of properties, either properties have to go down in value or your income has to go up, mm. or, or a combination of both. Mm-hmm. Uh, Perfect storm. Yeah, so if, if, if values didn't move up much and wages went up you know, a few bit, that would help affordability. Uh, I think you know that, that's more likely, but not highly likely, but mm. it's more likely to happen than, than property values crash, you know, so. But, but there, you know, there's solutions to all of this as there is. What are you gonna do? But first of all, who is most affected, really, by the yeah. affordability of housing? Well, who do you think? I think the younger generation. Definitely. And the older generation. Well, some of the older generation that, that maybe aren't in the market. Mm. Um, young, younger generation, certainly, because they're young and they may not have reached a point yet where they qualify for serviceability. You know, they haven't... I mean, there is the first home owner scheme and with the different uh, incentives at the moment, you don't have to have much uh, in terms of deposit... Uh, but you certainly have to be able to prove a level of serviceability. So some of them don't have that serviceability. That's the biggest issue at the moment rather than, you know, a deposit. But they haven't reached that point yet where they can. Uh, and you might have, you know, kids kids in, in high school even thinking ahead, you know. Uh, so so it is that younger cohort. Mm. And, and as you say, older people who are out of the market, and they might have been out of the market because they've never bought a property, they might be out of the market through bad luck. Mm. Uh, you know, gambling, gambling, gambling on the pokies or horses. Gambling, I don't put gambling as bad luck. I don't think you can. Some ga- people do. I don't think you can gamble your, all your money away and call it bad luck. Oh my goodness, I know somebody who did. But anyway, oh, I know people that do. But I mean, don't call it bad luck. Um, but people have been through a divorce. Mm. You know, have been smashed in a divorce. Uh, people who maybe had a business go go badly. For well, them. actually, I know another demographic is mm. those that sold just prior to the most recent hike and then find it really difficult oh, who didn't have a huge in. amount of equity but they still had a property mm. so if they'd stayed there now they almost don't have enough equity to get back in i actually know of two people in that yeah. scenario yeah. Or, or if they can get back in they're coming back in at a lower level oh, than they they're living before. inland so if you, yeah, there are people who, who sold in a, a reasonable house Mm. Uh, they've been out of the market for like two years and now they want to buy back in in that same, let's say, same suburb. You can't. They can't buy back in. Or if they do, their, their house is like half the size of the one before in, in not the best street in the suburb. Mm. And so they, they've got a bit of a problem too. Mm. So it's, it's, it's these people that are going to struggle where affordability 
is is a dirty word for them. You know, it's a very upsetting word for them. I feel sorry for that situation. But what can you do about it? Is there an answer? Is there a solution? That's the point. Well, like we said, two things. Income, the value of property. So what if you were able to get property a fair bit cheaper all of a sudden? And I don't mean property values drop. What if you could create property cheaper than what the normal person could buy it for? Mm -hmm. And what if you could also make more income, make more money? I mean, if you could do both of those, then you're back in the game in a big way. There you go. There's there's your solution. Well, (laughs) it's easy to say. Easier said than done, though, isn't it? So how do you do that? Well, we could go with... What about property development? Now, there's a novel thought. What I about thought that? Of that? Because that means you are creating properties at a, at a cheaper... At cost. At cost. So it's so cheaper exactly. than buying it at retail. Yeah. So as developers, we, we create property at raw cost, not wholesale, not definitely not retail. Because when we, when we talk about affordability, we're talking about people, the average price of a property, which is the retail price of a property. Developers create that. For instance, a $600,000 townhouse. Let's just take one townhouse in isolation. Could be out of a three-pack. doesn't really matter. If they're worth $600,000, we create them for $500,000. And that's assuming there's no growth in the market while we're doing that. Now, if there is, well, even better. So that that $100,000 head start that we get as a developer on, on let's just say, that townhouse, and, and it doesn't have to be a townhouse, it could be a land subdivision where we build a house. It could be a duplex, whatever. That's a that's a head start. So Bob, that's a deposit. People listening right now are thinking, yeah, all good and well, Bob, but what if we don't have enough money to do a development? Well, that's when we start to think about creative strategies like joint oh. ventures. Let, let's just say we we learn how to do a development and we know how to find a development. We know how to understand if it's going to be a decent one or not. Okay. And we understand that not all developments are worth doing and are not financially viable. Yeah, so if we, let's, let's say we get a level of education which enables us to know how to do one, to pick the good from the bad and know how to do one. Let's say we do that. Well, and, and we don't have the money to do it. Well, you'd have to adopt one of the creative strategies and, you know, been teaching that forever, something like a joint venture. So let's just say you found a three, three townhouses. Oh, I'll simplify it even more. Let's just found, say you found a decent duplex site that stacks up, that works, that makes a profit. Well, you get a money partner in and do a joint venture where the other partner puts the money in, you do the work because you can, you know how to find it, you know how to do it, and you share the profit at the end. Well, that means you you you're getting one townhouse at cost price and the other partner gets a townhouse at cost price of that duplex, two duplex, one unit each at cost price. Now, whether you sell or whether you keep, uh, it's up to you. You've just got to structure it correctly. So your one out of that is you get a townhouse at cost price. It's worth a retail price, but you get it at cost price. And remember, you were the developer. You didn't put the money in. And this is a very normal strategy. We have people yeah, doing this and, and right you've now. Use, you've got to use the right sorts of structures. But, I mean, you did ask the question, how could you get a property at developer's cost price if you don't have the money to start? And that's how you could do it. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden, let's just say you've got a $600,000 unit. It, it owes you 500000 You now have $100,000 deposit already in equity sitting there. And it hasn't cost you anything to have that. Now, sure enough, you still have to be able to borrow the other 500, mm. uh, if, if it is a principal place of residence or it could be an investment property where you can use the, the rent and so forth, you know, uh, but but you're in. Or, or it could be a bigger one. It could be one where, it could be a four-pack, let's say, where you develop two, uh, sorry, you develop four, uh, the investor ends up with getting two at cost, you get two at cost, you might sell one, uh, 
have to pay tax on your profit, but, but you can then use your after-tax profit to reduce your mortgage on the one you keep. And uh, and so you so debt, not only slower. did you get it at, but you not you didn't pay retail. You also lowered your debt by the profit you made off the other one. The one you sold. Yeah. Yeah. And just pay your tax. Use that whatever it is, eighty thousand dollars, whatever it happens to be. Reduce your mortgage by that. So that's means your serviceability can be lower. It means your debt's lower. Uh, and and you know you can do that. Uh, that's how you, that that's a way of getting property. You know, way below valuation, and but that and that can get you in. It can. And what about if you had you had some money, just a, not a huge amount, but not mm. enough to do it on your own. Yeah. And you have a friend or another, whatever, girlfriend, boyfriend, neighbour, mate, cousin, mm. auntie, sister, brother, who also had some money. You could do. You could all, and all everyone had some serviceability. You yeah. could come together as one and do it. It's a yeah. way to get in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that, this really works if somebody has a, a problem with their deposit. Oh, yes. They've got some money, yep. but maybe not enough, or maybe it's a serviceability thing, but you know, two people can come together. And I mean, make one. You could have two friends come together, develop a duplex, for instance, and each one of them takes one out at the other end that's worth 600 that costs them 500 That might work. You know, that gives them a, a kickstart of $100,000. And if the market happened to go up during that process, they might have made more. I mean, if the value of that $600,000 townhouse, if that's what it was worth when you started, it could be 640 when you finish if the market's gone up. It only cost you 500, so you made 140,000 if the market went up, you know, during that 12, 15 months, whatever it is to do the project. So, or 18 months if you're in Victoria. So, yeah, um, you know, that, that can get you in. If you're short of money, then it's investors, uh, either joint ventures or what we call, you know, money partners, equity partners, or it could be a loan partner. Uh, so there are ways. There are ways and means. And, and it's really the, the the reason we wanted to bring this podcast is because it's so normal and for a lot of people they don't realise it's normal mm. and that it's very simple. Well, yeah. I, I mean, once you get it structured and get it organised, it's a thing that a lot of people do do and it is worth looking into if you are thinking, you know, crikey, I, I can't get into the housing market. Yeah, and you've got that situation of parents and children. Mm. A lot of parents are well and truly in the property market uh, because they bought a long time ago and didn't die. But um, they, they worry about their children. You know, they might have, uh, you know, kids 15, 18, 20, 21, 22 even, you know. 25 in my 25. case. 25. <laughs> they're saying, well, how are they going to get into the property market? It's sort of, they, you, you know, it, it goes up more than you can save a deposit. It goes up faster than you can save a deposit. Mm. And once again, uh, that's where property development can can come into it. Mm. where you could, for instance, as a, as a parent, if you were prepared as a parent to do a development where you didn't make any profit out of it, but the profit was able to be passed on to your children. In other words, it's a no mm. win, no loss for the parent. Would you do it? Of course, the alternative for a lot of parents is they take a big chunk of their super and they give it to their kids as a deposit. And they'll never see it again. Mm. And that could affect the, you know, themselves. Or they go, even you know, banks don't even like doing this anymore, but they might go guarantor on their loan. Mm. And that just completely wrecks any chance they've got of borrowing any more money to, to you know, buy more property themselves. Whatever. Tip there, everybody. Did you hear that? And that completely ruins your chance of using your money. Yeah, again. yeah. So you, you sort of ruin your, your own financial situation to help your kids. And, you know, there's pe- pe- people are prepared to do that. But, but if you were prepared to do a development and walk away at the end with no profit, no loss, but set your kids up for life. And you could, you could set all three kids up for life out of one project. You could do a project. And, and it's very important how you structure this too because there's a few rules around, um, around 
beneficial interests and those sorts of things, but they can be structured around with the right sort of accountant. But let's just say a parent was to build three townhouses. They build three $600,000 townhouses, uh, but they cost $500,000. Let's just say they did that. Well, you had three kids. So what happens is the parents do the project, but the kids end up with a $600,000 townhouse for five hundred. dollars Now, this is, where, this is where the structure needs to be done correctly. That, that's a $100,000 deposit. So there's their deposit. Now, as far as serviceability goes... It's a matter of then whether they can afford to, to carry that loan. But you, often the biggest problem is, is the deposit, mm. which keeps getting bigger and bigger as properties get more expensive. Yep. And that can get them in. Or it, it could be a situation where they set up one child out of a three-pack. Three so what they could do is basically uh, one of the townhouses goes at cost at $500,000 to the child. The other two get sold. They make 200000 profit out of those. They pay tax and then they can then use that after-tax money to reduce the mortgage uh, on, on the other one. So instead of a $500,000 mortgage, it might come down to like $350,000 mortgage if they're prepared to do that. Now, the parents did it. Uh, it took time and effort on their part. It took some money on their part, but then they got the money back at the end. So they didn't make a profit, didn't make a loss, but they set their children up uh, for life. Mm. And so, as I said, it, it has to be structured properly. There's ways to do that. And... Um, you know, parents could set their kids up for life doing that. Mm. Yeah. Good advice there, Bob, for parents who have the financial mm. ability. If you, if you think of the first home owner scheme these days, I mean, they, you know, if, if you look at the ability to get in there on, on 5% deposit sometimes yep. uh, without mortgage insurance, and and also, I mean, they might be able to do it on the, on the 20% deposit even doing it this way. Mm. And, and plus the, the grant, different for every state, but... You know, you can, there are ways of actually utilising the first home owner grant for your children where you're a developer and they get the, a lot of the benefit from the development. Ooh, lots of nuggets of gold in today's yeah, podcast there, yeah. Bob. Hey, is that about everything that – we've given a couple of solutions. Um, before we wind up, just for people that are in Queensland – uh, especially around Brisbane, maybe even the Gold Coast if you wanted to travel up. On May the 7th, we've got a a, uh, a three-hour event, yeah. uh, just a property developer get-together. We're, we're calling it, it's actually uh, Joint Ventures Unpacked, and Bob's going to talk about this. There's no upsell. We're not selling anything in particular. We just thought we'd have something for our community. Have a beer afterwards with Bob, beers mm. with Bob if you like, mm. and network with others. I'm going to be doing a bit of a motivation kick. We might have another surprise guest there for you if you wanted to come along. So if you want some more information about that, there will be a link below. I think it's um, $29 or something like that just, to just attend. Just enough to cover the seat. I mean, we have to obviously pay the hotel for the room and the seats, and that'll just cover that. So we'd love to see you there. And if you'd like to learn more about uh, joint ventures and creative strategies, ways to, to get into property development. Joint ventures is the game. Joint ventures is the game. So in summary... Bob, what would you like to say? Well, I don't see affordability improving rapidly no. anytime soon. Uh, you know, eventually with some wage growth, the market slows down perhaps. But I think it's I think it's here and it's here for good. We've seen it happen overseas as well. Australia's certainly in the mix and uh, you're gonna have to think a bit creatively if you if you have a situation. Don't, I mean don't give up. There there are ways and means if you're prepared to put the effort in. Uh, so don't give up on it. Uh, if you think it's it's too elusive to uh, to ever get you into the market, there are ways. It's a it's a lot easier than people think, and there is a lot more people doing it than people I think I would say. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, 
be part of the solution. Yeah, yeah, you can be part of the problem or you can be part of the solution. Uh, be part of the solution. Why not? Hey, thanks, Bob. As usual, some riveting stuff from the uh, all your years of knowledge <laughs> and experience all bundled up into there. So much in there. And uh, we look forward to seeing you guys in Brisbane on the 7th of May if you're around and about. We will be cruising through the rest of the country later on in the year, so look out for us in your town. Otherwise, um, thank you so much, and we will catch you next week. Bye. Bye.